listeners. Hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the Alexandria Archives. That's not our podcast name. What is our podcast name? You guys have got to figure out what this podcast it's is. It's Armchair Apocrypha. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I don't know that one. <laughs> it threw me off. I've only ever listened to one podcast. What's that? Uh, it's the Doughboys, specifically <laughs> the episode where they do the Chicken McNugget Power of Power. I assume that is what all podcasts are. No. <laughs> it's pretty really. close. <laughs> kind pretty of. Pretty close. How many Chicken McNuggets are we eating today? <laughs> Ten. Um, I already ate. Yeah, me too. I plan on he after this. <laughs> I only got ten this time, though. I'm doing better. Yeah. What do you um, normally have? Right now, you can get twenty for five dollars. Oh. It's, it's bad. Wow, it's bad. <laughs> Damn. Um, so the last time we recorded, we did the pre-Star Wars episode. Yeah. Um, that was three weeks ago, but because we uh, record ahead, you guys did not miss an episode. Nope. Um, do you guys want to talk about Star Wars? I know Katie and I liked it. We didn't love it. Cameron and Rachel loved it. They didn't mm-hmm. like it. Oh, man, um, I, I loved it. I did not expect was, to enjoy it as much as I did. It's grown on me the more I think about it, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. We, uh, around Christmas time, we had a two-hour drive, and we seriously talked about it the entire time. We as drove. you so, should. So I as think after you having should. that really long conversation, I feel a little differently about it. Okay. Cool. I liked it to begin with, so. Yeah. No, it is solidly my second favorite Star Wars after Return of the Jedi. Interesting. Why? Return of the Jedi has the most puppets. That is, <laughs> that is first and foremost my, my number one my, criteria. My metric for how good of a Star Wars how good a Star Wars movie is. But this one this one's a little bit front loaded because you have all the porgs. That's true. Oh my god, the porgs. That's true. <laughs> I, I am unabashedly in love with the porgs. Like, I love yeah. being pandered to by Star Wars. They are one And they, they did it. They hit all of those spots. They're me. not puppets, technically, but they are, um, I believe, puffins with uh, that have been CGI'd over. Yeah. Just because they couldn't get all the damn puffins out of the shot, they decided And puffins that. are adorable as well. I freaking love puffins. Well, I, th- I think Iceland told them that they couldn't remove the puffins. Okay, They're that like, makes sense. You have to record with the puffins. That makes sense, too. Yeah. I like that. So it's fine. So are porks. So are porks. Oh, it was like, it's a great film. Um, good. That's all I gotta say about it. I want to go see it again. We do too. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. You might have noticed we've got a big episode today because we have an all-star cast. (laughs) Me, Rachel, Kate, and Cameron. Um, New year, new us. We've got a new, uh, we've got a new uh, cover photo up on the website. I went through over break and... Read it, a bunch of stuff on the website, so go check it out. Nice. Um, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, anybody else have news for us before we begin? Uh, I can't think of anything. Let's yeah. start. Good. All right. So I made a joke with the guys last night that my entire uh, part was going to be in Spanish. Um, I want to hear you say Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get to hear a little bit. Uh, I did go through and translate what I needed to translate, so... Um, on the topic of Star Wars, we uh, Princess Leia's buns. Do you guys know where those come from? Her head. They. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> they grow out of her scalp. Yes, they do. Uh, do you know what George Lucas modeled the, the Leia buns after? No. Um, Cinnabons. No. Good guess. Um. Not Studio on headphones. Uh, what are those things? Furbies. No. <laughs> no! Furbies came out in the 90s! You think. But then when Princess Leia's buns were so popular, they're like, oh, it'll be a hit. <laughs> they wouldn't look like Furbies. <laughs> Furbies are on their back, their backside. What? No. no. I don't know what kind of Furbies you had. Yeah, I don't know. 
so there's a meme going around that right now that shows uh, Princess Leia next to uh, Madero uh, Revolutionary in 1911 Mexico. Um, and her name is Clara de la Rocha. Uh, she was a Mexican revolutionary. And um, George Lucas claims that uh, it was the Mexican revolutionaries that inspired Leia's haircut. Okay. Um, As they should. So <laughs> I'm going to throw uh, that meme up on the website. I'm also going to show these guys here in a few minutes uh, what they look like side by side. I um, cannot wait. But before we get to that, let's talk about the Mexican Re- Revolution. Yes, please. Yeah, tell cool. me. What? I said cool. I'm, I'm okay. ready to talk. Oh, well, great. I don't have anything to add. I can listen about it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can interject. <laughs> Please. So for those that don't know, uh, the Mexican president, Porfirio Diaz, became president in um, 1876 by coup, um, and he uh, remains there until uh, 1911, um, which you may notice is kind of a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1910, he told an American reporter that he was going to step down and allow somebody else to become president. And then he promptly changed his mind. Oh, shocking. (laughs) Um, But did he pinky promise? No, he didn't. Oh, see, that's where the fault lies. Right. Um, So that opens the door for Francisco uh, Madero to uh, come up in the the electoral system in Mexico. And he had never served in office before. He was... uh, a landowner, he was uh, independently wealthy, but he had a lot of good ideas, like, you know, taking care of people. Mm, I can and think of another independently wealthy <laughs> landowner with no political <laughs> experience who had a lot of good ideas. No. He was kind of like the opposite, <laughs> the anti-Trump. Um, but he, uh, he liked taking care of people. He thought that Mexico as a state should take care of its people. Um, and he wrote a book it's basically a weird saying... Um, that what the Mexican people should do is revolt against uh, Diaz and form their own government. Hmm. Um, In 1911, uh, Diaz signed a peace treaty which allowed Madero to become the um, president, Um, but that was after years and years of fighting. Um, So basically what had happened was the uh, the um, revolution started in uh, the 1909-1910 um, era, and Madero became kind of the forefront of it, and Clara de la Rocha and her father, General Herculano de la Rocha, joined the Maderistas and helped um, the revolutionaries seize cities throughout Mexico to pave the way for this peaceful revolution. Cool. Peaceful Um So there are three big events that are listed in the Spanish Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of research about her uh, outside of the Spanish Wikipedia. Uh, and the Spanish Wikipedia goes out of its way to say um, she's been erased from the stories because she's a woman. Yeah, that's <laughs> not right. Hmm. Kind of progressive. Seems weird. Really? I'm joking. <laughs> Two things real quick. 
So, firstly, Herculano is, like, the best name. Right. I love it so much. <laughs> and secondly, I wholeheartedly approve of all of us only telling stories that are related to memes. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to throw that out That's there. how we're going to start choos- choosing our stories yeah. from now on. That's Just how I choose all my stories. Google memes. <laughs> a little hot off. I could not get any good Gorilla Channel content. You know, <laughs> it's a little too fresh. Uh, you know, I tried to subscribe to Gorilla Channel, but I thought, is it really worth the money? Yeah. And I thought, yes, yes it is. I kept looking through the channel. I couldn't find it. I kept flipping, and I just can't find the group. You know we channel. just have network, right? We just have, Oh, we that's get, probably why. Yeah, it's probably like, uh, we can't get PBS because we we're, we're under a, a like popular air route, so yeah. just it doesn't come through. Oh, man. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Don't get PBS or Gorilla Channel. For all of you... What the hell is Gorilla Channel? <laughs> oh, man. You are in for a treat when you read it. No, nope, when you guys all laugh like that, I'm not going to trust anything that comes out of your mouth for the next five minutes. <laughs> for all of you out there who have the Gorilla Channel, we are all very jealous of you. I'm going to Google it. <laughs> Please do. It's a... Uh, I mean, I can give you the really short version. Yeah, give her the really short version real quick. Um, an internet personality... Convince the masses with a satire story about how <laughs> President Trump was complaining that he couldn't find the Gorilla Channel, and so his aides and White House staff put an antenna in the lawn and just made him a Gorilla Channel, Shut and people up. believed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that yeah, is Garland the Garland retweeted channel. it. Uh, yeah, Garland fell for it. <laughs> he fell for it hard yeah. too. He was really invested in it. Dozens of mainstream reporters retweeted it. A whole bunch of people believed it, and it came from the account Pixelated. Pixelated Boat, yes, Pixelated Boat, Boat is a great. <laughs> yeah, God, he's given us Milkshake Duck and Gorilla Channel. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, back to Mexico so, and the revolution. Uh, <laughs> and the revolution. To the revolution. To the revolution. <laughs> Um, so in 1910, Clara de la Rocha and her father um, joined the Maderistas. Um, they helped seize uh, the cathedral at Culiacan uh, from Diaz's Federales. Um, apparently there was a huge shootout, um, and uh, Clara de la Rocha became known for her shooting ability. Um, Herculano uh, went on um, to do his own thing, and Clara was named uh First, let's see. First, she was named. Um, God, I can't find it in my notes. Uh, she became uh, Coronella, Coronella, okay. mm. uh, Colonel of the um, the revolution. Uh, she and her revolutionaries went off to Centario, uh, where they had another shootout with the Federales. Uh, the Federales barricaded themselves into a church, climbed up on the roof, and fired down at the revolutionaries. Um, and Clara and her revolutionaries were able to get them to surrender after days of shooting at them. Um, but basically they had to come, at, come in and do a volley and then retreat. Um, because if they didn't, the Federales would just shoot them. Um, she uh, eventually... Um, her and her father became war heroes and then uh, she was buried in uh, Culiacan um, and her epitaph reads Clara de la Rocha revolutionary colonel blah (laughs) uh, revolutionary colonel um, of 1910 uh, and is buried with the love of her children uh, Enrique and Rosa uh, rest in peace, Kulia Kansen, 
June first, uh, nineteen seventy. So she lived a long and healthy life after the revolution. Cool. Good. Love it. Yeah, I can see where Leia can kind of yeah. come from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to pull up your laptop and show them real quick? <clears throat> I do. I want to see this. So hold on. <laughs> I have to open up a new tab so you guys don't see what I'm about to talk All about right. for a wee bit. <laughs> no, you're closing out your porn. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them that. Um, so Princess Leah and how do you spell her name? Rosa or Clara? Clara de la Rocha. La Rocha. Ah, I see oh my it. Gosh. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, that's badass. <clears throat> wow, that's you know, pretty seen, impressive. I've seen that before. I've seen the pig. I did not even the clothes. Oh, yeah. There it is. Yes. Yeah. Look at all. Yeah, she's. I want to see Leia with that original awesome, like, B A. Yeah. yeah, going on there. That's great. That is. Oh wow, very my hair would do that. So that's great. Yeah, that I know. is the origin of Princess Leia's hair. Love it. <laughs> Rachel, what did you bring this week? Okay, I was trying so hard to keep it short. Mm-hmm. So hard, <laughs> so and I hard. think it is. It's so much, though, that this is a part one of two parts. <laughs> oh. Because it needs to be. I could make it like three or four, but we won't. So today I'm going to talk about the women's suffrage movement. Nice. And this part one's going to leave me from 1820, I know, love your hat. <laughs> To 1900, so I'm stopping up to the beginning of the 20th century. For okay. our listeners, do you want to describe your hat real quick? Yes, I'm wearing a pink baseball hat that says Feminist AF. Yes. For you uncool people they out there, AF stands for as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I didn't hear you. As fuck. <laughs> you can curse on that. I know, but okay. it might be so Shit! <laughs> <laughs> Ass! <laughs> What are the seven words you can't say on television? Asshole. Uh, yeah, shit, piss, fuck, motherfucker, cocksucker, tits. Yes. You can't say tits. No. You couldn't on television. This is a really old bit. Okay. Yeah. It, it oh, makes I don't some know clear. This. It's a George Carlin. I thing. thought this was real life. No. Okay. Nah. George Carlin bit. Okay. So I'm just <laughs> telling you about the first half of it, <laughs> or it's actually like the main chunk of it, but. So first to be clear, suffrage means the right to vote okay. in political elections. Cool. And I'm only going to talk about, like I just said, between 1820 and 1900 and mostly the American women's like movement. Um, part two will include after 1900, and I hope to touch up on other countries like women's suffrage, especially the one in Britain because they were pretty badass. Um, but we'll have to wait on that one a little bit. Um, so here we go. The early stages of the women's suffrage movement began actually in the 1820s and 1830s. So basically a hundred years before they were, we, wait, they, we were given the right to vote. Um, this is about the time now that most states granted all white men the right to vote regardless if they own land or not. So now all the men can vote. White men, excuse me. White men? So that's important. Because only white men are people at this point, right? Yes, yes. Um... And this is a lot, uh, the time that a lot of reform groups were happening, like temperance clubs were popping up, religious movements were everywhere, anti-slavery organizations were um, going on about, and then women played prominent roles in, the, in all these groups. 
Um, this is also the time many American women were beginning to go against the idea of what historians called the cult of true womanhood, which you'll love this, Katie, oh is the idea that the only true woman was a pious, submissive wife and mother concerned exclusively with <laughs> home and family. <laughs> this oh, is the shit. best evil love I've ever cult of true Are you a cult of true womanhood? No. <laughs> Um, Sounds like a cult. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you guys know that, you know, the women's suffrage movement kind of went, started with and is in ties with the abolitionist movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1848, a group of abolitionist activists, mostly women, gathered in Seneca Falls, New York, for the convention to talk about the problems of women's rights. Um, the people that were kind of in charge were Elizabeth Caddy Staten and Lucretia Mott. Mm-hmm. About 300 men and women showed up, and it got a lot of press. Um, they basically want to say that all men and women are created equal. Um, and they had several resolutions that they wanted to adopt, basically saying, like, you know, just include women, basically. But the only resolution that was not adopted unanimously at this convention was the one demand- demanding the woman's right to vote, which Elizabeth Staten introduced. They thought that was too extreme. Like, oh. no, <laughs> not that one. Um, but how will they vote and take care of the babies? Yes. It's just too much. It was, cause, so <laughs> even back then, they're like, ugh, that's asking too much. Yeah. Um, that's, that's not right. Well, just ask for a Pony. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you just ask for like a pretty new dress? I bet you want to make fifteen dollars an hour too, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> her, um, because she included this in the convention, her husband refused to attend the convention afterwards. It was a two-day convention or three. I think it was two or three day. And after this, because he thought this would turn the proceedings into a farce. Oh my gosh. Um. The resolution was only adopted after Frederick Douglass, who was there, gave his strong support for it. Hmm. Thanks. Yeah. So, yeah. So the women's rights movement was gathering a lot of momentum and force during the 1850s. It was kind of like spreading around a little bit like wildfire. Um, And then the Civil War happens. So as as it does as it it did, (laughs) Um, so it kind of took a back seat while our country was fighting against each other for four years, Um, four very long years. So now we're in 1865, and obviously skipping through the Civil War, not much happens. (laughs) The movement, we're not not a lot happens with the country. It's just the Civil War. But pertaining to this, didn't have much. <laughs> almost did a Civil War story this week. <laughs> Interjected at that point. It could have been a little, like, interquel. Oh, that would have been great. Little. Do yours feel and I go back to mine. Um, no, but I didn't do it. So after the war, the 14th Amendment was passed, which gives all citizens, male citizens, rights and equal protection under the law. Mm-hmm. And then in 1868, <clears throat> not long after... So, like, two years after the 14th came the 15th Amendment, which was passed, which prohibits the government from denying a person's right to vote based on their race, color, or previous servitude. Oh, that was in 1870. Um, so, Elizabeth Stanton and Susan B. Anthony, who I know we all know, because she was, like, the... On the queen. She was the head friend of the... She the flag, right? <laughs> <laughs> Go Close. away. Yes. No, just joking. Um... 
God. <laughs> so opposed the passage of the bill unless it also included. Um, so Elizabeth Sam and Susan B. Anthony opposed the passing of the 15th Amendment unless it also included um, okay. sex on there. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's do it both. Let's have both on there. Um, and what they said was really, really interesting. I thought. They said that by effectively including all men while excluding women, the amendment would make an aristocracy of sex and give constitutional authority to the idea that men were superior to women. Nice. I was like, I really like that. Aristocracy of sex. That's a great yeah. <laughs> Um But as you know, this happened in 1870, and we would still have to wait 50 more years. Um, so obviously no one no adhered one to it. The 15th <laughs> Amendment passed, and it still stands as what it is yeah. today. Um, I'm going back and forth a little bit on this, but in 1868, I thought this is so neat, a group of 172 black, white, and black and white women went to the polls in Vinland, New Jersey, providing their own ballots and a box <laughs> in order to cast their vote in that year's national election. Like, they brought the box to put it in yeah. and everything, um, but they didn't take it. But, um... But finally, in 1872, so four years later, Susan B. Anthony led a group of 16 women demanding to be registered and vote in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. All 16 were arrested, but only Aunt Susan B. Anthony would be tried for violating the 14th Amendment, oh which only gives males the right to vote. Um, the judge ordered, ordered the jury... The judge ordered the jury, and you know it's an all-white male jury, to issue a guilty verdict for her... So the jury is clearly not been there. Yeah, my, yeah, exactly. Um, her, yeah, judicial system. Yay! yay. Um, her refusal to pay a one hundred dollar fine garnered her a ton of attention, and this is kind of what inspired a lot of the of new young women into the suffrage movement. So this got national attention. Basically, she refused to pay it, awesome. and I, I kind of I read it a couple times, but basically, it's saying like she refused to pay it. And if he put her in jail without anything, then she could make it go to the Supreme Court. Okay. So he dropped the charges. Yeah. Because she probably thought that she could argue the case in the Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. Court. For yeah. sure. So. But, and then, so because of all of that, um, it got, she became very, very famous. And a lot of women read this and were like, oh, okay. It's things, cool. changes can't happen. So that, I think, is kind of like a match that helped spread the idea yeah. of the women's suffrage movement. Um so over these decades, there were many organizations and groups, but finally in 1890, many came together and merged to form the National American Women's Suffrage Association. Phew, but yeah, by now the suffrage report, suffrage's approach had changed. Instead of saying women deserve the same rights and responsibilities as men, because men and women were create, created equal, this new generation of activists argued that women deserved to vote because they were different from men. Hmm. Here we go. This is where it gets a little interesting. They used the idea that they could create a pure, more com- more moral commonwealth. And I think this is a very political move that they did. Yeah. Because of this, they got the temperance advocates to be on their side to, cause, to get them to vote. And it also appealed to many middle-class white people to ensure the white supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> Which was also very popular back then still. <laughs> Casual reminder that our country is racist. Yes. Um, <laughs> so since <laughs> when? <laughs> since when? <laughs> so, from what I've read, they did that politically to like get more people on their side and to get their voices heard. 
Um, I basically have to stop there because then it gets really interesting when it comes to that. But I do have some fun facts for you guys, as I always do, okay. leading like <laughs> of things happening before 1900 deal with the women's suffrage movement. So this I thought was really cool. Lydia Taft was a wealthy widow and was allowed to vote in town meetings in Uxbridge, Massachusetts in 1756, before we were even a country. And then right when we became a country, the New Jersey Constitution of 1776 let all people who owned a specific amount of land to vote. The laws in, 19, in 1790 and 19, oh sorry, I did 1790 and 1796 um, even referred to voters as he or she, and women regularly voted. But don't worry, a law was passed in 1807 excluding women. Okay. <laughs> um, have you guys ever heard of Victoria Woodhull? I have, have I can't I? tell you. Have you? Have you? Oh, no. Stop it. Um, in 1872, she ran for president um, on the Equal Rights Party. Yes. Um, Frederick Douglass was her vice president pick, but he had no idea about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have heard of that. Um, and he was like, <laughs> and basically, there was also a lot of historians like, well, was she even legally allowed because she wasn't 35, she was 34 at the time, and she wouldn't been 34 for her first six months if she were elected, but she got a lot, she got her a lot of attention. It seemed like no one really cared about that little tidbit. Um, but then, um, she kind of had a paper and it revealed some scandalous stuff about a reverend having an affair with this woman. And then, so on election day, she spent the day in jail (laughs) and she did not win. I wonder why. Yeah. Well, apparently there are like, 10 candidates on the ticket at yeah. that time, too. Yeah. Um, so in eight... I thought this was really interesting. In 1878, Senator Aaron Sargent, who was a, a friend of Susan B. Anthony, introduced to Congress a women's suffrage amendment. Forty years later, it would become, spoiler alert, the 19th Amendment with absolutely no changes to its wording. The text is identical to the 15th Amendment that it prohibits, except for the change of the word, so that it prohibits denial suffrage because of sex instead of race or color or um, previous servitude. So they wrote it literally 40 years before it was passed. And then when we get to that later next time um, on part two, I'll get to that. And then they passed the Voting Rights Act and now everything is great. Shut up. Um, And this I thought was the most interesting thing. I love this part. Sorry. I can't like this computer's too big. (laughs) So did you know that Wyoming is known as the equality state? No. It is. I Googled it just to double check. I was like, are they fucking wow. with me? Or, yeah. nope. I mean, that's just the name. Like, That's like their nickname. That's yeah. their nickname is the equality state. But why? I'd have to look that part up. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know what? In 1869, it damn well earned that name. That year, Councilman William Bright sponsored a bill that was approved by the territorial legislature, because they weren't a state yet, granting every woman residing in the territory the right to vote. Nice. Just two years after giving the right to vote, Wyoming applied for statehood, and Congress in D.C. threatened to deny it unless Bright's bill was revoked. No! But the local legislator wouldn't back down. Quote, we will remain out of the union for 100 years rather, rather than come in without women. And that's how you are an ally. Congress caved in Wyoming with all their female voters became the 44th fucking state in 1890. 
I just love that story. I thought that was so cool. And that is part one. Very condensed version. Very, very condensed version of the woman suffrage movement. Cool. Yay. <sighs> Yay, women. <laughs> Get in here, Cameron. I'll go. Go ahead. So, please forgive me for this, because I am terrible at Japanese pronunciation. <laughs> but I'm going to try my hardest. Um, have any of you heard of a movie called Momotaro Umi no Shinpei? It's my favorite movie. In, in English, it's called uh, Momotaro's Divine Sea Warriors. No. Ooh. Is it involved dolphins? No, but that would be... Once you know what it is, you're, you're just going to like wish that it did involve dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually the first feature-length uh, Japanese animated film. Okay. Oh. Um, it was made in 1945. The director was a man named uh, Mitsuo Seo. Um, and it was ordered by the Japanese Naval Ministry, um, obviously during World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty much propaganda. I mean, it's straight up propaganda. Um, but wait, propaganda in 1945? Heck yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Explain how. <laughs> what was the propaganda for? Um, it was pretty much like saying that Japan was just the best. Like they were just the best at everything. You know, their government was like. Top just notch. The, yes, top notch is like the perfect term for it. So it was nationalist propaganda. It definitely was. Okay. Um, it really, knowing, you know, the context of everything, it was kind of innocent. I mean, as innocent as any kind of propaganda so can Can be. you whisper that a little lower? <laughs> <laughs> Katie said she loves nationalist propaganda. <laughs> That's what it's innocent. <laughs> but, I mean, so, so much of the movie is, it, it's propaganda, so it kind of is, tainted like quotation marks by the fact that it was you know meant to to sway the ideas of the japanese people in this kind of like negative way but as the first japanese animated feature i mean it like it's what anime comes from like everyone loves anime yeah. right totally love, anime. love it totally, yeah. yes <laughs> it's great so this is kind of like a lot of people say that astro boy which came out in like the i think the late 60s is kind of like the first anime, but right. this was the first Japanese animated feature film. Okay. Um, before it was a film called um, uh, Momotaro no Uniwashi, which was the same director. It was kind of a short film, um, and it came out in 1943. Same same principle. It was definitely like propaganda. But we can blame this film on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> we can blame Dragon Ball Z on this film. <laughs> um, just for reference, uh, Pearl Harbor happened in 1941 because I can't ever remember exactly what year it is. Mm-hmm. I had to look it up, but so that gives you some context for like where their mindset was at. Like right. they had, they had already bombed the United States. Like they, you know, yeah, yeah. Was this before they were after feeling pretty the good? Emperor, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Okay. I'd have to look that up. But it was in the same time frame. Yes. Um, so. Like I said, it was the first feature-length thing, so it's pretty long. It's about like uh, seventy minutes, so it's it's pretty reasonable length. Um, I recommend you watch it. I loved it. Uh, the animation's really interesting. The kind of the idea of where it comes from is someone in the Japanese naval ministry saw Fantasia and was like, "We need Fantasia, but make everyone love the Japanese." <laughs> like that's that was the goal. Okay. Um, the main characters are a bear, a dog, a monkey, and a pheasant. No dolphin. No dolphin. I'm sorry. I didn't see any dolphins. Oh, I didn't see any aquatic animals, actually. Um, so it kind of opens 
these four characters have just left, like, the academy. They're all, you know, like, early military young people. These creatures? Yes. Okay. They're all, like, <laughs> they're adorable, for yeah. one thing. Um, and it's interesting because it looks a lot like a lot of animation in the 40s. It's clearly it's black and white and, like... It looks like a lot of American cartoons, but you can definitely see some Japanese influence. Um, and so at the beginning, they all go home and they're like in their home village. And it's interesting because each of the characters is like a reason to join the army kind of thing. So the bear's family is really devout and like traditional. Um, the dog, his parents are farmers, so they're kind of like a rural family. Mm-hmm. Um, the monkey clearly just joined the war because he wanted the glory for it. Um, and then the pheasant is providing for his family. It's kind of sad. Like, he comes home and you expect his mom to be, like, so excited that he's there, but she's like, go get food right now. And he, like, leaves and gets food for his brothers and sisters, and you're like, it's kind of sad. Um, so the first little section is the monkey's little brother falls in the river and they have to save him. And... So everyone's, like, obsessed with these four in their village. They just think that they're hot shit Mm -hmm. because they're in the army. And when you're in the army, you get everything handed. Like, you get, you know, food and gifts and all this stuff. Um, So that's the first part of the movie. And the second part is, um, do you guys know anything about the Japanese um, occupation of the Dutch East Indies? So the Dutch East Indies, which is really hard for me to say, Mm It was Indonesia. I mean, it was just yeah. what they called it at the time. Yeah. Um, and there's a section in there where it shows how Indonesia came under European rule. Pretty much they were tricked by a pirate. <laughs> um, <laughs> this pirate, like, lands and kind of tricks the king into letting Europeans, like, live there. And this was, like, a really long time ago. So Europeans have been there for a long time. And at the time, the British had forts all over the place. And the Japanese we're going to, like, invade and take their forts because it's a really good, like, position to be in. Um, so (laughs) it's kind of gross. Like, they get there, and the first thing you notice is that all of the Japanese soldiers are, first of all, they're adorable animals, Mm -hmm. but they wear clothes, they're, like, walking upright, they use tools, they do all this stuff, and the natives are, like, monkeys and, like, rhinos and they're very animalistic and they're very like primitive so it's kind of gross yeah (laughs) um there's even a line where they say they literally say they look a little bit like us but not that much because they didn't want people to really sympathize with these people because they're still oppressing them they're still there like taking their resources and like educating them like they set up schools and there's a whole freaking 20 minute section where they just sing the song about the alphabet can you sing it for us? That's... No, because it's in Japanese and it's very long. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty, twenty like... minute song. Well the song is really short. They sing it ten times. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it was crazy. Um so They sing it ten times. <laughs> they sing it so much. Um so the the idea here is like they're kind of showing their military might. They're saying, like, we can go to this, you know, strange country and kick the British out and, like, we rule. We're the best. Um, and a lot of the imagery is everyone working together and being happy about it. And they, like, sing and they're all doing this for the greater good. They like, whistle while they work. Yes, they literally do. <laughs> they sing a lot. Um, well, being in the army is fun. Apparently it right. was. 
<laughs> have you been in the army? Absolutely. <laughs> nope. So how do you know? <laughs> I mean, as far as I can tell, it means you get to be surrounded by puppies and bears and birds. Don't yes. let the propaganda fool you. <laughs> it has my favorite favorite thing in animation, which is like anthropomorphized animals uh-huh. mixed with like actual animals so like this pheasant character is just chilling and then in the background there are some birds in the trees and I'm like are those birds people? Are they just weird birds? <laughs> um, so Soylent greens <laughs> <laughs> um, So at the end of the movie the like climax is and I have to, I have to look up um, pictures of these animals because they're freaking adorable. And then there's a battle, and they have grenades and machine guns. And they, oh my god! They kill everyone, and they take over this British fort. Um, and the, the British soldiers are depicted like it's so weird. They are very clearly British, like mm-hmm. the way they're drawn. They're just like every stereotype that you could think of, and they're like weeping and just groveling. Um, and they just immediately surrender. And they're like, please, take our land. Take our fort. <laughs> to be fair, if I saw four anthropomorphized like creatures yes. with machine guns, like one grenades, like, my fort, I would probably... So they're led by this guy called Momotaro, um, and he's human. He's not an animal. Um, and I looked it up, and he was, like, in the 40s, he was a really popular stand-in for, like, the government. Okay. So the government is leading these people and, you know, taking the land and all this stuff. So it's Charlie's Angels, except Charlie's the government. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and then the very last thing <laughs> is, the very last scene is they go back to the, they, like, move back to the village where all these people are from, and it's all of the little tiny children, and they're like playing a game where they climb the mountain and they climb a tree, and they are gonna—they're pretending that they're gonna parachute, and they jump off the tree, and they show the ground, and the ground is in the shape of the United States. So it's the next generation getting ready to go to the U.S., and that's the end of it. When when the sequel come out? I don't know. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> but something I thought was really interesting throughout the whole movie is like, yes. It's all really, like, glory of war kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but it's innocent. It is, but there's also <laughs> these weird, like, moments of, like, contemplation from these soldiers. And they're mm-hmm. kind of lovely. Like, like there's, like, the monkey sits and, like, looks out at this field of flowers and, like, sees, you know, the little dandelion fluff, like, float down. And it eventually turns into a, a parachuting soldier. But it's really lovely and weird. And I don't know. It's just really... Um, interesting. Okay. So let's see these animals. I'm trying to find the monkey because the monkey always looks like he's stoned. And it's <laughs> really great. This, the army and do drugs. This reminds me of, I don't think any of you would have heard of this. Have you heard of Cat Shit One? No. Cat Shit One is a manga that was published in the late 90s through the mid 2000s. Uh-huh. Um, known in the West as Apocalypse Meow. Shut up. And it's about a battalion of American animals in Vietnam. They're like an adorable bunny. It's very and cat much like that, yeah. Rabbit. And it had a movie. The movie was CG animated. That's I, that's all I have to add on that. I just. <laughs> oh, I was here we go. The entire time you're reading this. Just Cat Shit One. Cat Shit One. That's awful. Uh, did you guys ever watch Mouse or read Mouse? I read Mouse. In high uh, I'm school. familiar. I've not read it. I would recommend that one too. 
Shit, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Someone should describe this monkey for the listener. Um, Cameron. Looks like Betty Boop with smaller eyes and monkey ears. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. It's really cute. It has, like, really full lips. A little button lips. nose. Yeah, the monkey, I guess, is kind of the main character. They show him a lot, and just, like, most of the time, I guess, I don't know, he just always looks really high. So that's, uh, Momotaro no Shinpei. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug Mouse by Art Spiegelman for people who are interested in anthropomorphized history. Um, because it sounds like the opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> Mouse is amazing. She's <laughs> and I wonder, and I only wonder this because it's Japanese, it's in the military, and one of the characters is a pheasant. I wonder whether or not the game Star Fox was inspired by that. It may have been. Because that is a squad of four anthropomorphic animals, except they're uh, dogfighting in space. As but, far as I can tell, um, the animals are chosen, like, they're kind of a lore thing. Like, there must be a story somewhere about those specific animals, like, being heroes in battles, because they yeah. were very... Yeah. Like, those are four random things to choose. Yeah. I, I believe that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, Karen. Uh, I got a short one because I was going to do a research story on the Civil War, and then I didn't. <laughs> so I just remembered a oral history I read a few weeks ago. Let me uh, look up the name. I wrote down one name. <laughs> Not the My Files memo. Here we go. <laughs> Ron Dubrin uh, was a toy designer in the early 90s, made board games, some other things like that. Wanted to um, make a plush doll. And after watching some children play at the park, just to see what kids liked, how kids played, he discovered kids really like to be tickled and to tickle each other. Oh. <laughs> so, he got to work on a toy that would react if you touched it by uh, giggling. He called it Giggles the Chimp. <laughs> presented it to his bosses at Tyco, showed it, and it was it worked as you expect. He touched the chimp. The no! Chimp, chimp no! <laughs> That's not a good giggle there. <laughs> no! What if we did that instead? <laughs> I, I, I it's not going to work. I was going to tickle Katie as I told the story. She's not no. having it. Not having it. No! No! Showed the toy to his bosses at uh, toy company Tyco. Um, and said, hey, I think this would be a good place to go on our plush division. And Tyco didn't invest a lot of money in plush. Tyco, as some of you may remember, owned mostly for remote control cars. Mm-hmm. All right, so the year's 1995, um, and he still has this uh, plush chimp, and they're looking for an outlet to use it. And they decide that the best way to market this would be that if it wasn't a generic character, if it, if it was based on a licensed property. So they looked at the licensed properties Tycho had the rights to and settled on the obvious choice, the Tasmanian Devil from Looney Tunes. That's not where they ended up going either. Um, Warner Brothers was really pushing Taz as a marketable character. The okay. well had kind of run dry on bugs. They had just got done doing a ton of stuff with Tweety Bird. They wanted they thought boys would really respond well to Taz. But Taz isn't really cuddly, and you don't really want to tickle him. Right. No. Oh. Okay, Katie wants to tickle Taz. Tickle. Guys, that's, that's what she's into. But, uh, don't so next, shame me. Next they looked at increasingly popular uh, children's television character Elmo. Mm-hmm. Um, Tycho didn't own the plush rights to Sesame Street, but they did own the plastic rights. So they 
Yeah, toy toy rights are weird. Yeah, you can own the rights to an action figure, but only own the rights to that action figure. There's there's a ton of weird licensing stuff on that. It's why that you don't see individually sold Lego minifigures of the Star Wars or superhero characters. Yeah, because they're classified as action figures, and Marvel and Disney have licenses with other companies for those. It's it's a mess. Um, There's another story about why the X Men weren't classified as humans due to uh, international trade law, but that's (laughs) another not here or there. Okay. (laughs) Next time. Next time. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. So where was I? Alright, so eventually they do get the right to Elmo. Not a big fight. He just kind of lapsed in a couple of years and they were able to pick it up. So they make, uh, in 1996, the Tickle Me Elmo doll. Um, it debuts at a trade fair, like a toy fair in the early, nine, in ni- early 1996. Uh, really well received. People love it. Um... One of the things I read in the article was that Al Roker was there, and Al Roker lost it when he was playing with it. Al Roker had such a fun time just touching this doll and watching it giggle. He would. So they knew they had a hit on their hands. The only thing was how to market it. Uh, they decided that um, for TV marketing, it needed to have a visual to it. It needed to move somehow. Right now, it just giggled. So they added a motor, and it vibrated. And that's what really uh, kicked it in. That's what really made it click, made people realize this is huge. This is going to be gigantic. We have to put this on every TV show. Mm-hmm. It's going to be everywhere. So they bring it first to the Rosie O'Donnell show. Huh. And it goes nuts. Rosie loves it. Uh, she promises them to all of her audience members. The next day, they get tons and tons of calls. Um, too many calls. It's bad. They realize right away, we didn't make enough of these we're not going to have enough of these in time for Christmas. This is September, and they're already in oh crap panic mode. <laughs> um, they end up, despite adding the motor purely for television appeal, end up not producing a single commercial for the toy, just because there was no point to it. They had already <laughs> sold all the ones they had ready to make in that year. So, cut to uh, Christmas season 1996, and it's the stories everyone read. People getting trampled at the mall. Um, Toy store employees leaving their shift looking like they were just in a car accident. (laughs) Uh, People having to pick up their layaways in, like, unmarked brown boxes so they didn't get mobbed on the way out. Yeah, capitalism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, capitalism. And as I read in the article, as the people were discussing, they made it sound like they genuinely didn't make enough. They genuinely did not... Uh, did not predict how popular this would be. A lot of people will say, oh, it's for scarcity, and it might be, and it might be for other toys, but I kind of genuinely believe this guy, these guys when this was a very risky toy to make. It was a $30 doll. Dolls did not cost $30 back then. So it, the, the, the other side of this would have been if, um, you know, April next year, there are still 100 of them on the shelves. Yeah. Gathering dust, marked down to 15 bucks. no one wants them. So the safe bet was to not make enough of them, unfortunately. Unlike Nintendo. Unlike Nintendo. I, Nintendo's weird, man. Um, yeah, they're weird they are. A lot of their stuff. It's like, weird. I think, yeah, there there is some deliberate scarcity in a lot of products. But then I also think they saw the Wii U and it didn't go anywhere. So I think they kind of they kind of uh, second-guessed themselves on the Switch. And they shouldn't have. But Let's not get cameras started on Nintendo. That's a thing. But, um, <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> So, they follow up Elmo with another Elmo toy next year, um, and another the year after that. They do 
Uh, they do Chicken Dance Elmo, Rockstar Elmo. None of which we remember. Um, a bunch of different ones. Um, and every single one of them was a hit, except for they said Pogo Stick Elmo didn't really sell. Pogo Stick Elmo. For the next ten years, from uh, the first Tickle Me Elmo to TMX, Tickle Me Elmo 10th Anniversary, uh, that was the one that um, could slap its knees, it could roll over on the ground and ride itself back up. Like, it would lose it. If you tickled the guy, that thing sounds terrifying. I don't remember. Oh that yeah, at all. no, it was a monster. Like that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, we were we were way too old for these. We yeah, for been. sure. But uh, that was the thing, and um, like even today, uh, just last uh, two years ago was the 20th anniversary of Tickle Me Elmo. Uh, the license is no longer under Tyco; it is now under Hasbro. But it's still it's. I think they just re-released the pretty much the same doll they made in '96. Um, and it created a horrible um, environment of every holiday, parents fighting each other for toys that their kids don't actually want. Yeah. Um, you, you see it with a lot of things. And it wasn't just, Elmo wasn't the first. There was the Cabbage yeah. Patch Dolls. I was going to say, the Cabbage Patch Kids were like a huge, huge thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Elmo really, Beanie yeah, Beanie Babies were big. But as far as like the oh, Christmas so toy, Elmo kind of modernized it, kind of yeah. brought it to the place that we still are this year, this to this day. and. Uh, I know we're not supposed to talk too much from a uh, employment expertise, but I have seen firsthand the toys that they just rest on the shelves all summer, and then one day in September they are gone, and you do not see them again. And it's just, it's sad and weird, and it is uh, again to the scarcity thing. It is always a brand new toy that no one had heard of. It is never by a major manufacturer, so yeah. I, I believe that there weren't enough made. I, I believe that the people, for the most part, for the most part. Hmm. Interesting. Oh yeah, that's a uh, that's tickle me Elmo. He's a uh, Taz. He's furry and red, <laughs> and he laughs. Could you, you imagine him. how? Try tickling her one they, more time. They, they did try like a year <laughs> oh or two gosh, later. Oh my gosh, you're right. Taz would just always go. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. a, oh, that was a fun thing too. I read that um, when they were recording the dialogue, there was a point where they had a line where Elmo like. So no, no, stop, stop. And they thought it was really like a bummer to have the the doll built to be tickling to not want to be tickled. Yeah. So they, they cut out that line. Oh, Elmo God. likes it. Elmo Elmo's having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Elmo's always having a good time. Elmo's a good guy. Yeah. He's alright. Like He's alright. I, I wasn't huge on him until I saw there's a really good documentary on the character and the man that performs it. Yeah. And it's really interesting. It's good to uh, remember that I don't. Know, I know a lot of adult Muppet fans don't care for Elmo because he's he's a real one note, real dumb, simple character. He's not. But he's for a little kid. That's the thing. That's the thing is that Elmo is the number one. Like a visit with Elmo is the number one Make a Wish re- uh, request. I believe. And it's like that. That yeah. that's nice. Almost sweet. That's nice. He doesn't have the nuance or the the things for adults that a bird or an Ernie or a Grover yeah. would have. But but El- 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 Elmo's good. That was good, Cameron. Elmo. <laughs> is that a fidget spinner? Yeah, I put yeah, them Rachel. in um, all, Sorry, the, just, all my family stockings. <laughs> and I, I, I hadn't seen it, and then we pushed the couch back. I'm like, oh, it fell off the big couch. <laughs> I haven't seen it for two I'm weeks. I'm not judging you. You know that I have a fidget spinner, too. I put it in all my family stockings. That was a, a fun one. toy to hear for months. Hey, do you guys have any of these? And we had never heard of them. Like and by the time they yeah. finally got to us, kids didn't care anymore. Yep. It's like by the time they showed up in the major stores, everyone yeah, ordered things online. I put a fidget cube that I just bought at CVS. The cube's great. I, yeah. I've got the cube. I, I love the cube. People push those toys, the fidget toys, as yeah. like 
concentration tools, or they're supposed to be for kids with attention problems, and I think they can be. Um, but I, I don't know I really I feel the cube. I, I, I the cube is relaxing. Yeah. Oh, nice. I think most kids are just want a distraction. Just yeah. I don't yeah. know. It, it screams, "Hey, teacher, take this away from me!" I don't. <laughs> I can't imagine what a nightmare that is to be a, right. a teacher. Teacher right now. All right. Well, that's our episode. Um, that was do, fun. Do you guys have anything to plug? Mm, nope. Don't stay warm. Um, nope. <laughs> nope. All right. Uh, check out the website. Um, check out my book. Uh, oh, uh, last episode, I couldn't remember uh, the press that's publishing my next book. It's Long Steel Rail Press. Um, check them out on Facebook. Uh, JP Wright is going to be publishing it. Um, hopefully it'll be out by the time this episode airs. <gasps> that's so exciting! Uh, Katie, you don't want to uh, plug your artwork or anything? Um, I've got some artwork up on the website now, um, so definitely check that out. I'm always up for commission, so if you want to do that, you can contact through the website. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Give me that money. <laughs> <laughs> Give us all that money. Yes. Support your, lo- your local artists. Yes. Support your local Katie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listeners, until next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>